and welcome to Broad Expressions. I'm Becky Doubleday. In 2022, the Heart of Illinois United Way is celebrating 100 years of service to the people of Central Illinois. Since 1922, Heart of Illinois United Way has been bringing together people from business, labor, government, health, and human services to address community needs in our region. In 2021, 300 local companies and organizations participated in the Heart of Illinois United Way annual fundraising campaign, raising more than $9 million to support vital health and human care programs in Marshall, Peoria, Putnam, Stark, Tazewell, and Woodford counties. Jennifer Zamuto is the president of the Heart of Illinois United Way. Jennifer, welcome to Broad Expressions. Thanks for having me. So first of all, Congrats on the 100 years. That's Thank fantastic. Um, sustained success over such a long period of time is just an amazing achievement, 100 years. What's the secret sauce that makes uh, Heart of Illinois United Way so successful and such a really vital part of our community? Well, thank you. I can't take credit for all of the hundred years. I've only been here for the last. Oh four. gosh, go ahead and do it. <laughs> uh, you know, truly, we stand on the on the shoulders of the people that came before us, and that's not just the people that work on the team at the Heart of Illinois United Way. As we've gone through and um, become archivists, looking through our past one hundred years, there there's an incredible amount of newspaper clippings and pictures and stories. And what we've realized is that this is a story not just of the Heart of Illinois United Way, it's a story of our community. And it's been really, I, I honestly thought maybe this is gonna be kind of boring, 100 years of newspaper clippings. It has been truly fascinating to look back at this community and how similar we are to 100 years ago and how much we have grown. And what we've seen is a, the, the secret sauce, I think, is something really special about Central Illinois. You don't find the culture of Central Illinois just everywhere. Um, it's not in Chicago, it's not just a Midwest thing, but the culture here is very unique. And I think um, there is a, a want and a need to make our community better. We saw this originally when we started, we were started by volunteers. We um, function with a team of 15. And we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that have always done the bulk of the work. We just drive the basics day to day. And that really helps us keep our costs down and to be able to do the work we need to do to keep this community successful. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen is this, this organization is of the community, by the community, and for the community. So what have been the opportunities and challenges these last few years were coming out of the pandemic now, and we see a lot of different organizations uh, recalibrating, pivoting, however you mm -hmm. want to say it. Um, how's that affected things at uh, United Way? Well, I think it's very interesting. You know, in many ways, we're the same, and in many ways, we're completely different. Our partner agencies have seen so much change over the last few years. They really had to adjust, I think, a lot more than we did to deal with the changes in the clients that they're serving day to day. For us at the heart of Illinois United Way, what we do is we focus on education, financial stability, and health, and investing in programs that support those things at the root cause levels. For us, it's very important that our donors know the value that we add to the process. So, you know, people could give to any charity that they wanted to. They could just skip going through United Way and go straight to the organization of their choice. Why should they go through the Heart of Illinois United Way? And I think for many years, people thought, well, they asked me at work, United Way, it sounds good. They're a charitable organization. They must be doing something good. I'll just do it. And I challenge people to ask tougher questions about where their charitable dollars are going. We add a lot of value to that process, but I think most people don't understand what that is. And so what we do is we allocate the dollars out using a data-driven system. 
It helps our nonprofits have really strong outputs and outcomes. So outputs are the numbers of people you serve. The outcomes are the changes in their knowledge or their behavior. Um, so for example, you could have an after-school program that serves 100 kids, but if you didn't measure maybe that you were tutoring them and their grades went up or that they were staying out of trouble or that their mental health was better because they were in this program, how do donors know where their dollars should go, where they're best invested, and to be quite honest, during challenging times like this, when we don't have enough dollars coming in, we never will, we have to stretch every single dollar as far as it can go to serve the most people in the best way possible. So what we do, um, if donors give to our general fund, those dollars come into a process where volunteers make decisions, not me, not my team, we just help guide them through the process and how to make strong decisions. Just like you would if you invested in the stock market, right? Just because you love a certain brand um, doesn't necessarily mean that that stock is the right one for your portfolio. Or maybe it is, but how do you know? You either have the insight and the time and the effort to go and do all the work behind it, or you hire a professional to help. And United Way is that professional that helps ensure that that charitable dollar is going where it needs to go during the most challenging of times. And during COVID, what we saw was change faster than we ever saw it. So I think in this way, the United Way is exactly the same in the sense that we provide the same kind of value. We're always challenging our process and making sure that we are measuring the data in the right ways. But the last few years, we've had to flex much more quickly and faster to support our nonprofits through this challenging time and to help our donors feel good to know that if there was a time where we needed to pause funding or increase funding to a program because of the challenges of the pandemic, that we had the ability to do that. So what are some of the things that you're seeing or, or that your, um, the, your partner agencies are seeing that are, that are different now post-COVID? Oh, my goodness. Lots of things. I think, for one, you know, we've all felt the mental strain of the last few years. No matter your circumstance, the mental strain has, has been real. And I think it's broadened a conversation around mental health. Um, I think what we're seeing in classrooms, I can't imagine what teachers deal with every day, but you're seeing people that are generally more frustrated. The things that used to, we used to be able to kind of ride out the bumps, it just feels a little bit more rough these days. And so we've got to focus more on social emotional health. We have a program at United Way called S3 that helps with social emotional health in classrooms. And what's really unique about it is um, each classroom can tell us what kind of thing do you need to support mental health in your classroom. So for some, uh, there was a classroom in particular where um, they needed some alternative seating because sitting in a hard chair at a hard desk for eight hours a day just doesn't work for everyone. We need some solutions where you know people can learn differently. But having some alternative seating, which doesn't really seem like something very much, um, and some training for the teacher, this one classroom in particular reduced their referrals to the principal's office down to zero from upwards of 50%. Wow. Simply from some training. And that doesn't go away after that year is done, right? The teacher, the, the furniture's there, the teacher has what they need. We've had requests for service animals in schools to help um, kids deal with stress. And I'm sure for the, for the teachers and the other um, administrators in the school as well, that's just one example. Um, our after-school programs are adjusting to a new uh, schedule at Peoria Public Schools, right? So how do we adjust to a longer fall break? How do we adjust to a shorter summer? Um, how do we help when kids are on Zoom uh, trying to do mm. classwork mm -hmm. when they don't have the setup at home to do that? Our nonprofits that used to do before and after school programming were helping kids get onto Zoom so that they could go through their day-to-day -day classroom training, which was really important. But, it's, you know, change is hard, and to adjust what you're doing on the fly um, was, it was a stress for everybody. 
So when you talk about uh, attacking problems at the root cause, this is what you're talking about really is, you know, and that's a challenge taking, how do you do that when, when you're talking about the funding, the dollars that are coming in, and then how do you decide how those dollars should be allocated? Well, and that's, I think, one of the other things I really like about United Way is we're not just using feelings to make decisions, right? Certainly there are incredibly heartwarming and, and gut-wrenching stories that we hear, but the process helps get us through that. And for us, the process does, it doesn't start right there with the data analysis. Um, kind of upstream, what we do is we do a community assessment once every three years where we look at data across education, financial stability, and health to tell us where the issues are. We've got data by county, by age, all kinds of data that we can analyze to help guide where we invest. And I've always been fascinated by that. The interesting thing about it is data gets old very quickly and gets stale. And so we have that data at the high level, great. The challenge that we then face is how do we get real-time data? Um, and we have a service called 211. 211 is an information and referral line, kind of like 911, but for non-medical emergencies. Any kind of health or human care need can be managed through um, 211 by getting people referrals to the services that they need, which is wonderful. Um, and I believe we've got one of the best 211s in the country. It's updated every day, so we never send someone somewhere where there isn't a food pantry open or we're not sending them to a shelter that doesn't have a bed for them. And um, it's over at AMT, and they function 365 days a year with professionals on call every day, um, and they really can change people's lives. The bonus side effect of 211 is that we get all this incredible data in real time. So we can use that data as well to complement the community assessment. Um, so, for example, during COVID, we saw a 200% increase in calls to 211 which is great, people are using it. We added nurses to the call center that could answer some medical questions. Um, we were able to get people connected to resources and maybe people that didn't think they ever would need those resources. Um, and so the interesting thing is that we could see in real time, there's a request for housing, there's a request for food. We saw a 50% increase in domestic violence calls. And what that tells us is not just there's a need today. When we talk with our partners at Freedom House and the Center for Prevention of Abuse and others, they were telling us a 50% increase today is a 200% increase in a couple of years. So how can we now prepare based on the data we have today, what will that mean in the future? Because if you have people that are calling 211 for domestic violence help, they're calling from home perhaps in the beginning of the pandemic, many people couldn't do that because they were at home and it was difficult to make those calls. So they knew that when people got back into the workforce and back into society together, that they were gonna see even more of an increase. So it helped us prepare today for what was happening a couple of years ago and that data helped us make those decisions. And I really like the ability to have data. And I think the most important thing about that too is there is an art and a science to this. The data is the science. We can't completely forget the art, the storytelling, the human part of this. If these decisions could all be made by computer and they were all black and white, we would do that. But it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray space. If we don't fund this program today, what happens to the people that are using that service? Just because a program maybe isn't perfect in the way that they score, uh, doesn't mean it's not a good investment. It just means you're taking a little bit more risk. And that's the other thing I really love. Our team is wonderful about going out and supporting the people that work in the programs at these nonprofits to help them do a better job, to help them measure better, to help them study for the test, if you will, so that they can get a good score and they can serve more people. And that's really what we're all, we're all about. You asked about root cause. That's really where a lot of that 
comes from. The root causes of bigger challenges uh, start when you can address the root cause of the problem, and the data helps us do that. You also publish a community assessment every few years. Is that also um, a source of data? I know it's something, it's data that you share then with the, with the community, which is fantastic. Um, how does that work into your, your planning process, or, um, or is that just something that you do for, as a benefit to the community? Uh, it's both. Anyone in the community can use our assessment. It's online on our website, which is hoiunitedway.org. Um, the next one will be coming out this coming summer of 23. Um, and so it's for everyone, but then it also helps drive the decisions in terms of the areas that we invest under education, financial stability, and health. So if we see that there's a big problem with, let's say, truancy um, in a particular county or a particular region, it can help us say, you know what, let's make sure we're investing in a program that's focusing on truancy in that area, for example. Yeah. Heart of Illinois United Way covers a what a six county six Six county area that especially uh, around these parts that's a lot of geography to cover and a lot of different types of communities that's the other thing that's really interesting about central illinois we are urban we are suburban and we are rural and when you look at benchmarking data not every community has that under their umbrella Um, so the six counties that we cover that you mentioned earlier cover all of those areas, right? You've got farmers, you've got inner cities, you've got suburbs. Um, And we also cover Fulton County when it comes to homelessness. So we have a Home for All, which is our homeless continuum of care that focuses on the root causes and benchmarking so we can make the best investments with federal dollars to get people housed. And so that also has, uh, that area, that covers Fulton, Peoria, Tazewell, and Woodford counties. So you have another county there combined in as well. Um, and each area kind of has its own needs and uniqueness, and we have to be flexible to that. Uh, and I'm guessing that's something that's always changing as well. <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, populations and, and things like that. Yeah, that, that's some of the information that is provided through the, um, the community assessment, too, about changing demographics. And it, it's true. It, yeah. And it's very yeah. important when you think about, you know, what our communities are going through collectively when you've got a population, uh, the baby boomers, starting to retire. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean for services that we provide? How do we look at veterans as they're coming through this process? What does mental health do to homelessness and the challenges that we face? And I think the, the thing that's most important about all of this is um, the reason that we've been successful for 100 years is because because we are not comfortable sitting back and resting on our laurels and saying, well, look, we're good at this. We don't have to try anymore. That's not the case. We're constantly checking ourselves. I think if if we're going to ask our partner agencies to go through all of this rigor and to constantly be improving their processes and making sure they're doing things the right way and measuring, then we should do the same for ourselves. And so we're going through a process right now um, where we're analyzing the data-driven process. And while it's really strong and very good, um, we've always got to be kind of checking that. Is the data still right? Are we still scoring this correctly? Should we have this many points attached to this question? How can we continue to make this better? And I think any organization, whether you're a for-profit business, a not-for-profit, whether you're functioning at home, you have to constantly be saying to yourself, how can I do this better tomorrow? Today was good. Let's make tomorrow better. And I think that's kind of what drives me personally is just this constant let's make sure we're doing it better every single day and then you're not it never gets boring for one and you're always improving so um back to the 100th anniversary year that 
again, fantastic. I know one of the events that um, that you sponsored as part of the celebration was the Women United event, 100 Years of Caring. Why a women's event specifically? Well, you know, and I sometimes, um, how do I say this in the right way? I don't believe in having women's events just because it sounds right or it sounds trendy to have a women's event. But for us, when we were looking back at our history, so much of who we were and who we are is because of men and women that came forward in the beginning um, to get us started. And to be quite honest, um, women had the time on their hands back 100 years ago because they typically weren't in the workforce. So they were the ones going door to door to the businesses and saying, hey, Ben Franklin, we'd love for you to contribute back to this community. Um, and it was started because... Meaning the thrift store, not yes. not the historical right. figure. <laughs> <laughs> if he was around, we would have asked. But of yes, course, Ben Franklin, the, the resourceful store, ladies, yes, yes right. Um, and you know, it was actually a convenience for these businesses to have one ask instead of thirty different nonprofits all knocking on the door saying, "Can you give a little bit? Can you give a little bit?" And our nonprofits didn't have the staff at the time to do that. So that was one of the reasons we started as well. Is that less just one ask to a business is easier um, than 30 different asks and it alleviated our partner agencies from having to have all the staff to do that and um, so women were driving a lot of who we were back in the day and then during times of war or change many times it was women that were coming to the table and driving our work forward and um, we've got all kinds of great um, pictures and archives. We gave away the first pair of post-war pantyhose. And there's a picture <laughs> on our website where you can see of these pantyhose coming out. It was a big deal. Um, we used to have a Miss United Way, and her job was to be our ambassador for the year. And we have a, a scepter and a crown and a cape. And while um, you know the culture has kind of changed over time, the thing that hasn't is that um, women have provided a, a unique uh, role, I think, for United Way and for our community to drive us forward. Um, it also, I think, even in today's day and age, when you think about we're all busy, we're all driving back and forth, getting everyone where they need to go, working, dealing with the complexities of life. And because we live in a community where we don't necessarily have to jump on a train and commute to a larger city, We've got some time at the beginning and the ends of our day where we can give back. And I think that's one of those special, unique things about Central Illinois is that leaders um, and everyone in this community has the ability to share their time and their talents and their resources. And it's easy to do in a community of this size. It's inexpensive to live here. It's a great place to raise a family. It's easy to, you can get from one suburb to another. You can get back and forth in 20 minutes, it seems like. It makes it easier to be able to give back when the rest of your life, life is less complex um, in terms of commuting and things like that. Where do you see Heart of Illinois United Way in 10 years up the road? What, you know, what I, would your look be? I don't know that anyone can possibly say, here's exactly where we'll be in five years or 10 years. But I do know that we will continually challenge ourselves no matter what comes our way, whether it's wars, recessions, economic pressures, illnesses, disease, you know, we can weather through those storms because of our strong processes. But we won't sit back and just say, oh, we've got this great process, we'll just relax. We will continually make sure that we have the ability to help our partner agencies weather the storms that come our way so that our donors can feel really great that their dollars are going where they're needed the most to the organizations that are most efficient and effective with those dollars. And I truly believe this isn't just other people, other people that are in need, but when we can help our community be successful, that everyone has their basic needs met and they're healthy and they're financially stable and they're educated, our community grows, our economy grows, and we're all better off. Anything else 
uh, you'd like to add that we didn't uh, uh, touch on? Well, you know, we didn't talk about volunteering, and I do think that's one of the other really important reasons that we are successful is because we don't have to have experts in every single subject around the table at United Way. Um, And we have a volunteer site at hoiunitedway.org that can match up volunteers with organizations that are in need. It's a great resource for our nonprofits, and that's where any nonprofit in our in our six-county region can sign up. You can sign up as a volunteer that, that says, hey, I'll just raise my hand and I'll go where you need me, or you can say, I have a special skill. I'm great at finance, I'm great at marketing, I'm great at planting, whatever it might be. You can go in and then find uh, those opportunities, and it's a great way to connect as a family, it's a great way to grow your career, to show some leadership, to, to take the talents that you have and share those with our nonprofit community that really needs them. Um, and so it's it's a win-win all around. And for people that are maybe feeling the, the pressures of inflation and recession and economic challenges these days, you can still give back of your time and of your incredible knowledge. And that's really what makes this community a wonderful place to live. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on Broad Expressions. Jennifer Zamuto is president of the Heart of Illinois United Way. And thanks for listening to this episode of Broad Expressions. The show is a co-production between me, Becky Doubleday, and WCBU. It's recorded at WCBU studios on the campus of Bradley University in Peoria. Our theme music comes from Peoria's Emily the Band. You can find more episodes of Broad Expressions or subscribe to this podcast at wcbu.org slash broad.